Yep, that's the tagline. We are all hostiles. That's asinine. This movie lost money. I feel bad. I was gonna ask you what you thought Timothy Chalamet's highest grossing movie was, but it's obviously Interstellar. Yeah. Then Lady Bird, maybe. Because mm. Lady Bird actually made like money. Why isn't Timothy Chalamet listed on Box Office Mojo? That's homophobic. I mean, to you, it's homophobic. Well, yeah, if it's homophobic, to me, it's homophobic. Oh, that makes sense. If I say something's homophobic, it's homophobic. If I say something is gay rights, it's gay rights. That's just... I mean, it checks out. That's just how the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. Yeah, his highest grossing movie, aside from Interstellar, is Lady Bird. Followed by... Hostels made more money than Call Me By Your Name. That's insane. That's homophobic. That's... Wow, Call Me By Your Name... Okay, internationally, Call Me By Your Name made more money. Well, that's good. Yeah. Oh my god, that makes me so angry. That, I mean, you... Hostels made more money than (laughs) the Coopers. (laughs) Yeah, Interstellar is far and away his highest grossing Mm -hmm. movie. Which is unfortunate. Well... At least in Interstellar, he's he's in the movie ever so slightly longer than in Hostels. Yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking about this today. I almost I almost went back and like timed it all out. Really? But I'm just like, no, no. That's you're in the movie. Fun. You're in the movie for 20 minutes, and you're barely in that. So I'm gonna say less than five minutes. Sure. And we should talk about Hostels, but first I have a question. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this today. Whether it's on Broadway, or it's a filmed adaptation, what musical would you want to see Timothy Chalamet cast in? Okay. Hmm. Trying to think of something that they haven't made. See, I didn't really, like, I literally just like what do I want to see and obviously that's a little limited to like shows that I know so my first thought and this is probably because it's one of my favorite musicals was Spring Awakening like I could very much see him in the um Melchior Melchior what the fuck Melchior Melchior you're you're just going Italian on it sure Um, Um, yeah I could see him play Melchior in Spring Awakening I also could imagine him as J. Parapont Finch in How to Succeed. I was thinking of How to Succeed, but he's... Is he too frail for How to Succeed? He's not weird. Okay, Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, oh, you're saying he needs to be weird. He's gotta be a little weird, because Finch is weird. Sure. Like, he's a weird dude. I know. I I'm just... always, I'm thinking, Daniel Radcliffe wasn't great casting because he's not a strong singer. Yeah. He's no Robert Morris. That's why Matthew Roderick was such a good J. Pierpont fan. Because he's weird. He's weird. Um, but like kind of hot. At that time, yes. Right. <laughs> that all washed away by the time he was a Leo Bloom. Timmy should play the son in the birdcage. We don't have a filmed version of Lacage. Right. Okay, so, and you're going to have to help me here. I only know the Birdcage, the movie, which mm-hmm. is not the musical. Does the Sun character exist in the stage yeah. show? And would mm-hmm. Timothy be good at playing him? Because if they were to remake the movie, which I would like them not to do, I could see Timothy playing that role well. The show is the movie. But with musical numbers. Yeah. So the show is based on the French version of the movie, right, which, which came out based, in the 70s. Which is based on a play, right? And then Harvey Firestein wrote the book and lyrics. Mm-hmm. I think he just he just wrote the book to make it into a play on Broadway. And okay. that happened in the 80s. Okay. Then The Birdcage is an adaptation of the original movie. If you watch the original movie, there are scene-for-scene things. Mm-hmm. There's no performed musical numbers. There, there are musical numbers in the sense that the characters perform them. But oh, like, yeah. They, there's no, because like, it's all people still... don't burst into song in the birdcage. Yeah. I mean, in La Cacha Fall, in the French version, it's still, like, they're still, like, in a French go-go or a discotheque mm-hmm. because right. it's, like, 74. Yeah. But no one's singing songs. But do you agree with me? Do you think Timothy would be a good casting choice? That for would work. Song? I just feel like, and again, I'm coming at it from the movie, 
But the actor who played the son, I find him so attractive in a, in a nerdy, dorky way that I think that Timothy that's kind of why transcends. He kept, that's why Dan he kept, Futterman. Yes. That's who, why he kept getting cast in everything. Right. Oh, Dan Futterman won't, wrote the screenplay for Capote. Huh. Oh, he works with who directed Capote and who directed Foxcatcher? Uh, um, Bennett something? Bennett Miller. Fascinating. Yeah, Dan Futterman is hot in The Birdcage. He is. He's very hot. Everyone's pretty hot in The Birdcage. Again, I just don't know if I think Nathan Lane's hot. Nathan Lane's not hot. <laughs> Gene Hackman's not hot. Christine Baranski's hot in The she, Birdcage. Christine Baranski's always hot. Diane Weiss is hot. Diane Weiss is hotter than Nathan Lane. Um, Diane Weiss is always hot. That's like, true. Hank Azaria. Very hot in very the birdcage. Very hot cage. in the birdcage. But also extremely funny. <laughs> oh, very funny. Offensively so. Yeah. The Birdcage is a perfect movie. I love it so much. Nicholson May. I don't know better people. How are we going to bring this back to Timothy Chalamet? Um, well, uh, it, did you want to throw out a musical that you think he could be in? Did I'm you trying think? to. I'm thinking of something that they need to make on screen. Um, you're going deep. You want you're you're going for something they haven't. Something made. that needs to happen. Okay, I was so, like, just there going, are all of these. There are all of these Sondheims that haven't been made. I'm see. Even I'm, though Sondheim is like my favorite composer, I feel like I don't know so many Sondheims. I like the fact that there's not a company could he be the lead in company no okay i, I don't because know. he's the lead is turning 35 he's gonna turn 35 someday yeah he needs to put some meat on those bones <laughs> to, to be a sellable bobby there was a time when he could have played um who's the creepy guy in sweeney todd sweeney todd no well yes the one who sings joanna you want him to be the judge, Judge Turpin? No, not. The, oh no, no you the, mean Anthony? And no, the, not, well, he could be Anthony. No, is Anthony in the? No, 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 not Anthony. Who's the one who's in love with Joanna? Anthony. No, it's not. That's his no, name. Because in the movie, Anthony's a little boy. No, the little boy is Tobias. Oh. Toby. Tobias is the little boy. Yeah. Anthony's the adult who's in love with... Yeah. Okay, Anthony. Jamie Campbell Brower. Yes. 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 Sorry. If I mean, if the time comes that we remake Sweeney Todd, and let's hope they do. I like Sweeney Todd. It's... Can we not get into it right now? We don't need to get into it, (laughs) but I just wish it was better. I just don't like the Johnny Depp of it all. Sure. Well, that hasn't aged well. (gasps) No, it wasn't good when it happened. Oh, okay. He's not old enough for it yet, but he would be a really, really good lead in Sunday in the Park with George. But we are getting like oh, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal doing it right now, so I don't want to like. I mean that that could happen. happen. But what if uh, what if they decided to make a movie of the Oklahoma that fucks? Would he play um, the lead? His name is it's not Curly, it's, right? It's literally Curly. Oh, I thought Curly. See, Curly sounds like a supporting character, so he could he, he'd be the Curly that fucks. Now I'm really convinced I have to get him in a son time. So well, we're getting a new I West mean, Side he Story. Could, he's not in it. Well, I mean, they need to do a movie of Follies. But we would have, he would be in the younger cast of that. So I don't know the show. Also, no one cares about the men in Follies. No. Anyway. I, was, I was actually going to say, are there men in it? I don't know. This, this is a good Timothy tie. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't know this show, I know enough about it to know that there's two male roles in it that he could play. If they did the Merrily We Roll Along movie, oh. <laughs> the musical they perform in Lady Bird. I, is he good for one of those roles? I don't know them. I don't know the show that well. Okay. But I know that the, the, the structure of the show is that it's done by young people playing old. Oh, okay. So, I mean, if he does it... So he could do that. I mean, he's going to be able to play young for a while. Let's say, merrily we roll along characters. Like, I watched the documentary. I've seen Lady Bird. Okay, so... I mean, would he play the Jason Alexander role? <laughs> so the lead characters are Franklin Shepard and Charlie Gringas? I can see him playing a Franklin. I can't click on, like, descriptions <laughs> for who these people are. Well, we can go on to stage agent and we can figure this out. Oh, that's what I'm on. <laughs> Let's see. Charlie is a tenor. Timothy looks like a tenor. That's not how that works. <laughs> I can't see bass notes coming out of that body. No, no. Oh, I they're mean, both tenors. Okay, well. He, I don't know. I just want to see we've, him we've, we've never heard him sing beyond rapping. But, well, he's a great rapper. <laughs> Little Timmy Tim. Well, there were rumors for a while that the Wes Anderson movie was going to be a musical. But as far as we know, it is not. Yeah. And they have confirmed there will be dancing in Little Women. So maybe we'll, we'll start to get a taste. Everyone's sitting around the piano. Ugh, I'm so excited for Little Women. Well, I'm not going to segue because I've tried too many times. <laughs> Welcome to Chasing Chalamet, a bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography of the Oscar-nominated actor Timothy Hal Chalamet. 
On today's episode, we are going to be talking about Scott Cooper's 2017 dramatic western, Hostiles, or Hostiles, whichever one you want to call it, it's fine. Uh, We'll cover (laughs) our thoughts, our feelings, critiques, praise, maybe lack of praise, whatever we want to say about this laborious exercise in patience is what I'll call it. Then we will discuss Timothy's performance, uh, his role in the film, what function does he serve the story, is he cast well, what does his participation in this film bring to the table, and how does it reflect ultimately on his filmography. Then, on a scale from one to five peaches, we will together grade the film in different categories. The quality of the film, Timothy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, his hair, which I'm very excited to talk about his hair in this yes, movie, oddly. Yeah. it's I was not thinking that was going to be like there, the hair movie. There's also like a little special hair bonus. Yeah, movie, there is. Which I'm, I did not expect either. I'm excited to jump into it. So you've already heard him talk. You've, you've heard him talk on previous episodes as he's been behind the soundboard, but today formally on mic yeah. for the first time, today's guest, it's the editor of this very podcast, Will Bybee. Hi, everybody. Hi, Will. How are you? I'm good. What are you up to? How, how are things? <laughs> things are good. Yeah. It's hot. It's, it's so hot. It's so hot. <laughs> it's um, awful outside. Yeah. Usually, it's not just our chemistry here, folks. No. It's just hot as hell outside. Mm-hmm. We like to bring those cat on a hot tin roof vibes right into your earbuds. Will, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. We know you're an editor sure. of podcasts. I, I edit I edit two podcasts. You do. Um, I edit this and also Stephen Kropa's overstated. Former uh, guest. Former guest. Podcast. Uh, go to the, go, just go to that Interstellar episode. I know you're all big Interstellar fans out Huge there. Huge Interstellar fans. We are too. <laughs> um, in addition to that, I watch a lot of movies. I'm a big movie buff. You are an, a, a patron of the arts. A patron of the arts. I'm a culture vulture. I love, Hold, I love that. I love to see live music. I love to see live theater. I'm an opera guy. An opera guy who was recently, one of your opera tweets was recently liked by- I was recently what? got a tweet liked by Ryan Johnson. Who? Ryan Johnson. I've um, heard of her. You know, the, 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 man, the man who wrote and directed The Brothers of Bloom. Ah, him. And Looper. And Looper. And uh, Brick. Brick. And, and uh, 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 Star Wars The Last Jedi. The Last, heard of it. Saw yeah. it, I think. Good good seen film. It, seen it a Seen it a couple times. Fine film. Fine film. Yeah. Fine film. I'm d- d- fucking with everyone. I love The Last Jedi. That is yes. very, I, I'm very excited for Knives Out. I'm I'm excited for anything that celebrates Jamie Lee Curtis. Sure. And has Chris Evans saying eat shit multiple times. Mm-hmm. I d- but also I, it's a whodunit. Who doesn't love a mystery? That's right. I, I, as we've talked about on this podcast before, I love the movie Clue. So Knives Out, it looks right up my alley. I have never in my life taken the time to create a gif and i created a gif of chris evans mouthing the word wow toward the end of that trailer (laughs) because it sent me to a place i've never been before Um, and chris evans has sent you places exactly his beard has taken me on wild wild journeys um but yeah that i'm so excited for your brother's blooming friendship with ryan johnson (laughs) very well done very good (laughs) thank you I, i tried really hard uh to loop back around on that one um oh, oh, okay sorry sorry did i drop a brick on the situation i hope it's your last oh there we go <laughs> all right well will i don't have a great reason for having you on the hostels episode <laughs> i i normally say that in the guest and then usually makes a joke like of course there's a reason i'm here but i don't have a reason no, i made you watch a good host- reason do you can you can you like glean one from having seen it now i I enjoy westerns. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I enjoy the the work of Rosamund Pike and <laughs> true I, Christian Bale. Sure, and you know, Ben Foster, I suppose. Sure. But, um, this has literally nothing to do with why I asked you to be on this episode, other than no. that, and it just made sense. Funny you say that about liking westerns. One of the so my family and I have a Christmas tradition. We always go to the movies on Christmas, and one year we saw True Grit. And usually we try to pick a movie that everyone will enjoy. Like, we don't go to see Star Wars on Christmas Day, because that is just not a movie that my whole family together would enjoy. That's a shame. It is a shame. But True Grit was the was the movie one year. And oddly, everyone loved it. So my question becomes, is the Western like the great American unifier? I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know if we have... I think we are too disparate of a country. We live in the year 2019, no, so no. We like, don't have a great unifier. We have such, we're, we're so big. Everyone's point of reference is so far off. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there are things in like Europe 
if you go to England, it's small enough and compact enough, and there are enough things that are similar about mm. all areas that you could have a common denominator. But I don't think that the Western is that. No. For the I will say it is a unifier of our history, whether acknowledged or not. It is, it is an augmentation of our history. Sure. Because it really expands the time from around 1840 to 1900. Yeah. We have explored that part of American history more than any other time in this country. Though not, I would say, in the way we should. No. And I'm referring to the treatment of Native Americans on screen. Oh, are we segueing? I was trying to. <laughs> I'm getting better at it. It's like a muscle. I'm learning to flex it. Hey, that's great. As I mentioned, we are talking today about 2017's Hostels. It's it's an interesting film in Timothy's filmography yeah. because 2017 was really his year with the Lady Bird and the Call Me By Your Name of it all. And this movie is like actually part of that era, though I don't think it's well, it's not in the same vein as those movies no, from a quality not. level, but it's also not like you like I remember very distinctly in 2004, I believe it was Jude Law who had like six films come out in the fall of that year. And we talked about it as very much like being like Jude Law's moment. And I feel like when we talk about like Timothy Chalamet's moment, we don't talk about hostels, but it was very much in the the beginning of his zeitgeist. I mean, compared to the other things that came out that year, this is the genre film. It's a capital W Western. Yes. Whereas you can kind of, like Lady Bird is, it's coming of age, it's a comedy, it's a drama. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, the only way to describe Lady Bird is it's like, and I, I don't it's mean a, this as a detriment, it's an A24 movie. Yeah. And then Call Me By Your Name is like, the sexy, queer, romance, drama, European rom. Exactly. Like those, and this is just like Western. I mean, you could say it's a drama. I believe IMDb had it listed as like adventure, though adventure implies excitement. Absolutely not. There's no excitement in this movie. So let's just jump into talking about hostels. And the bulk of our time might be spent on this section because talking about Timothy. We'll not talk. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so this movie, set in 1892, opens with Rosamund Pike's character and her family living in their little log cabin. They get attacked by a Com- Comanche. Is that yes? Comanche mm-hmm. war group who uh, they kill and scalp her husband. They kill all her chi- all her children. She escapes out the back. Mm-hmm. Like it is a as you texted it is, me, it's a grisly it's opening. It's grisly. Yeah, and it's actually the most well-made part of the movie maybe it's the most memorable part of the movie sure it's a good like the rest of the movie does not follow its tone no not at all pacing in any way no it that's that's what's so odd about the the opening scene is you're right it's it's paced very well the action is staged very well rosamund pike is incredible she's incredible throughout she's showing her full range within that yeah she does minute i love rosamund pike i far and away think of the 2010s her performance in gone girl might Mm -hmm. be my favorite female performance of the decade on film it is surely the oscar win i would go back and like switch out um she is so good in this movie and my letterbox review is literally just thank god for rosamund pike as much as i love christian bale yeah He's not that exciting. No. So more more plot-wise, that is the opening, and then we pivot to so, meeting so Christian they, Bale's character. They're setting it up for you to hate Native Americans. Exactly. Like, wait, they are hostiles. Right, okay, exactly. But then we meet Christian Bale, who's a complete asshole. Um, of indeterminate age. Yes, and we meet him. He is rounding up an Apache family to bring them back to the fort, and he's informed that before he can retire, he has to complete one more job, which is to take... A Cheyenne, Cheyenne Warchief, yeah. Yellowhawk, and his family members back to their tribal lands of Montana. Obviously, being a complete fucking racist doesn't sit well with him. And that is where the plot mm-hmm. of the movie takes off. He eventually meets up with Rosalie, who is Rosamund mm-hmm. Pike's character. And, you know, lessons are learned. Everyone learns that we're all hostiles. Blah, blah, blah. to Montana the end. Yes. But I want to go back mm-hmm. to what you were saying about Christian Bale, because I was thinking about this last night. He, he is great. I like mm-hmm. Christian Bale. He's I, great. I don't have the thing with him that I kind of have with Daniel Day-Lewis where I get kind of annoyed by how much we praise him. But I gravitate towards his kind of bigger performances. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I'm thinking about him in The Fighter. I'm thinking about him in American Hustle. I'm thinking about him in Honestly Vice, which... He's even, incredible He's Vice. very great in Vice. Whether you like Vice or not, which I'm kind of... It's fine. He is so good in Vice. And those are very, like, meaty, talky roles. This is a... He's not necessarily quiet, but this isn't, like, a role where he's 
kind of selling it to the rafters. This is a quiet movie. Yeah. Even though I can acknowledge he is good in this movie, I don't like him when he's quieter. I like him when he's louder. Well, it's... He needs to be able to emote. Mm -hmm. And A, there's not a lot for him to say. No. And frankly, I think the most of what he says is in Cheyenne language Mm -hmm. and subtitled. And it's through this giant mustache. Yeah. Not being able to see his mouth takes something away from that. This is is a movie that like, I, I don't know if I've ever felt this way about a movie or said this about a movie this is a movie that like seeps into the background of its own setting you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. i just all of the browns and the blues and the like it's there's no it all looks like a painting that you would see like in a lodge right except for the opening sequence opening sequence because the house is on fire and it's big and there's light and everything else is just vistas. Like, I don't know. It, with with everything seeping in the background, I read these interviews with Scott Cooper, mm-hmm. and he's like, well, this is not your father's Western. Mm. It's like, well, whose fathers are you talking about? Right. This isn't Gary Cooper in High Noon. Yeah. This is very much in the vein of John Ford. Oh, 100%. And this is, I mean... If anything, opening, this is your father's Western. Yeah, this is absolutely... Like, this is nothing but homage to even the, the spaghetti Westerns. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the opening scene, you know, it has that grisliness of, you know, Wild Bunch. Mm-hmm. And everything that happened in the 90s. There's nothing that wasn't expected. Yeah. And I was going to kind of lean on you because I, as, as a film person, I don't know Westerns mm-hmm. that well. Like one thing I was going to say is like, do people, do this many people normally die in a Western? Cause everyone fucking dies in this movie. Well, people die in Westerns, but they don't have fucking names. Yeah. They're just like lackeys and no, they're just people. There's a lot of people that die. A lot of shootouts happen mm-hmm. and people die. Sure. But not named characters. Yeah. I mean, ev- spoiler alert, I suppose, but like every single named character dies except for Rosman Pike, Christian Bale, and then the Cheyenne Chief's grandson yeah. at the end, who I don't think says more than three to four words the whole movie. He says he has a couple he has a couple moments, but his name is Little Bear. I know that it is it's a just a massacre. Yeah. And it doesn't help the narrative no. in any way. It doesn't create any tension. No. I don't fear for, like, I was never afraid for anyone. It, it, yeah, there was all this, like, mindless bloodshed. And I mean, and obviously we'll talk more about him mm. later, as this is a Timothy Chalamet podcast. But, like, he's the first character to die. And from there... Well, the first character that doesn't isn't Sorry, Rosalie's family. Exactly. Her family gets murdered. He is the first, like, named mm-hmm. character who becomes, I guess, I was going to say central. He's not central to the rest oh. of the movie. He literally exists to die. He's, he's the first of the party yeah. that goes out. First uh, of the enlisted men. And then from there, you should really kind of have this fear for the rest of the group or whatever. But I almost feel like by killing them all, you kind of then are just not, you're like, oh, they're probably all going to die. Well, like, with this, this fear of, they're all going to die. We are setting up very early on that both Christian Bale's character and Rosalie are suicidal. That's true. Like when Christian Bale gets his assignment, he goes into the woods and has this, like he's screaming silently. Mm-hmm. Inaudible screaming. Inaudible screaming. But there's, you hear the thunder. thunder. That's, it is like that. Did you watch it with the subtitles on too? I, I had to. Okay, I did too. <laughs> I was going to um, say those are the, literally what the subtitles say. I had to. But he's digging in the dirt, and he has his gun. It's like, are you going to kill yourself? Yeah. And then later, with the same gun, Rosalie walks to where her family's buried, and he just happens to stop her. Yeah. It's like, well, and she's described on the Wikipedia page, or in some review, as suicidal woman. Yeah. Like, okay. On Wikipedia, it says, Rosman Pike as Rosalie Quaid, a suicidal widow who joins Blocker's detail after the murder of her family by Comanches. I mean, that's a little judgmental. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, and She's like, been through a lot. And and what would have what would have made that character, I don't want to say more interesting, because I think that the character is interesting, and I think mm-hmm. that she brings complexity to the role that makes it interesting, as she tends to do in most things that she's in. Just to have her be mentally unstable was fine. Mm-hmm. I, I really actually love when they come upon the burnt house, and she's inside, and she's caressing her dead baby, and... I have questions, though. Okay. <laughs> what are your questions? When, how long, how much time had passed? 
That's a good question because because you, nothing's smoldering. Nothing is smoldering, but like there are flies, but there's not that many flies. And she and doesn't, she doesn't seem, look gross, right? She doesn't seem gross. I will say generally, no one's dirty enough in this movie. No, like there are moments. I don't like to I, praise the Revenant, but at least everyone in the Revenant looked like they were. There's in the Revenant. no dirt under the fingernails in this movie mm-hmm. at all. Even when Christian Bale's got his fists in yeah. raw dirt, yeah. I remember one scene where there's after the rain, everyone looks perfect. Mm-hmm. They look like they just got home from a spa day. Yeah, I had forgotten about Christian Bale digging in the dirt because I love the scene where Rosamund Pike is trying to bury. She, oh, she, that's great. She's so good in that scene, and I was thinking like, okay, I know that she's flinging dirt around mm-hmm. and digging in the dirt. Does Christian Bale do it too? I don't remember. He does though. He he does it, but not then. No, he does it on his own. Yes, she does this in front of like the whole, and they're just watching her. And because she won't let them dig. Yeah, and also she doesn't want to use a shovel. Mm -hmm. She wants to dig with her bare hands. Yeah, I mean she eventually relents and asks for the the shovel, and I'm sure they help probably helped her. I don't you don't see any of it. Yeah, I actually think across the board in the movie, I actually think all of the acting is pretty spectacular. I think it is extremely well. All of the performances. Yeah, I don't think anyone's. And no one's phoning it in. No. Everyone's doing a great job. Everyone is doing a great job. Most people just have nothing to do or they have something to do that doesn't make any sense. Right. And doesn't give the plot any momentum or excitement. This movie is, as I mentioned, it is a laborious exercise in patience. So I had never seen this movie to completion. I rented it last summer. Timothy died. How how far in? You marked it down. Um, okay. Here, here, folks, for those of you watching at home and only want to watch Timothy... He makes his first appearance at 22 minutes, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. He is shot at 48 minutes, 30 seconds. Great. So you can watch. He's in the movie for, for 26. A sitcom. He's 20, a sitcom amount. Of, and he's not even in all of those. Scenes. No, he's barely in any of it. Yeah. So once he got shot, when I first watched this last summer, I was like, well, I don't want to keep watching this. So I, I think I like fell asleep. And then when I woke up, I like turned the TV off and went to bed. So watching it this time was my first time watching it all the way through and it is just a chore i think it would be so much better if we didn't have the subplot with mm-hmm. ben foster's no character. no because it doesn't accomplish anything mm-hmm. that would cut what like at least 20 minutes out of this movie at and it's least. two hours and 20 minutes long it's i think it's 215 yeah and but it feels take... it it feels it so badly well, i went and looked at the script online mm-hmm. and it's it's not formatted well mm-hmm. it's 48 pages long oh how is a movie that's two hours and 15 minutes mm-hmm. have so few words? No. And like, I'm scrolling through it. And I'm like, nothing's missing from here. Yeah. For a movie that has that short of a script, they say Timothy Chalamet's character's name a lot. And his character's name is Private Philippe Desjardins, which yeah. the whole time I was thinking Jean Dujardin, mm-hmm. Academy Award winner for the artist. But yeah, they say his name like quite frequently mm-hmm. in the movie, even once he's like dead. And actually, that was funny. So you I mean, don't want to be on a heap like Desjardins. Yeah, <laughs> and they like cut to his like feet. You see his <laughs> his bloody spurs, and whether that's actually Timothy, who knows? But no, they're they're probably just boots. They're yeah. sticks inside. <laughs> There's a dummy in there, a Timmy dummy. As well acted as it is, and I would even go as in. I don't want to, you know, show my hand too much for the peach scale. I would even go so far as to say it is a fine movie. There's enough that I liked about it that Mm. I could recommend it to a degree. But, like, it is just... With reservations. Oh, yeah. Like, I would say, like, do you like Westerns? Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't recommend this to someone unless they wanted to watch the filmography of Christian Bale. Sure. Right. Which, like, fair. Those are great Mm -hmm. actors. Or West Jesse 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 Plemons is great. Yeah, he's great. Uh, yeah, West but this Cootie is not is this is not a career defining performance for him. No, either. this is a footnote for like everyone involved. Yeah. And actually, I wanted to. Have you seen Scott Cooper's other films? He did Black Mass, which I avoided. Okay, because of the Johnny Depp of it all. Johnny Depp and just felt so terrible and... it's not good dakota johnson is great in it obviously because she's great dakota, we, i loved it mm-hmm. i was gonna say we loved it. it is the chasing chalamet stance on dakota johnson is mm-hmm. we love her yeah <laughs> um he also i didn't see out of the furnace but that was also with christian bale and then he did crazy heart which I've is never what seen crazy heart. okay so i don't remember much about crazy heart i went back and looked at my rating on it so when letterbox kind of became the new like 
film person's mm-hmm. app of choice. I like transferred all my reviews over from Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. which took days, but I did it. And my original rating for Crazy Heart was three stars, which to me, three stars is very much like there were things I didn't like, but there was enough I liked mm-hmm. that I could like feel like yeah. finally positive by the end. So I don't think I've liked any of his movies. Not being crazy for Hostels doesn't surprise me. And it's it's really interesting, everything about the making of this, because Scott Cooper is like a former actor, mm-hmm. and things aren't as actory as you'd expect. Yeah. he's not. And, he doesn't appear to be like an actor, or a, an actor's director. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and he wrote this script, which is based on a story from the guy who wrote all the the Jack Ryan movies, mm-hmm. Donald E. Stewart, and and you know, a good on good on you, Donald. But I think he was too beholden to the original story mm-hmm. to make decisions or to eliminate things. Yeah, because you don't need you don't need to have this other racist man come in to remind everyone of how racist the Christian Bale character is. Yeah, which you're referring to Ben Foster's character. Ben Foster's yeah. character, Will, Will's, Will's. Sorry, Char- Sergeant Charles Will's. What a weird name. But this movie just keeps describing violence in almost a joyful way. Mm -hmm. I feel like they were going for a realism, Mm -hmm. but it feels oddly celebratory. You're right. Hey, I cut this man from, you know, from his neck to his navel. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I don't care. Mm -hmm. And I heard you the first time you said this. Yeah. You can just make passing references to someone scalping someone. Mm-hmm. You don't need to keep making those references. Right. Because and again, I remember, because I, I've i not been that far from that material. Right. And again, it just reflects how great the opening scene is, mm-hmm. because the violence in the opening scene is like, it's used in the correct mm-hmm. way. It's not glorifying. It doesn't revel in what's happening. And a lot of that is due to Rosamund Pike's performance because of the horror that she is witnessing. And so it comes off as genuinely terrifying and yep. upsetting and grisly. Whereas when Timothy Chalamet's character gets killed, it's given little to no fanfare. And it's nothing. And and I, again, it just it sort. I had to pause and go back. Yeah. No. The first time I watched it, I like rewound it to make sure he was dead. Now watching it this time, it is very clear that mm-hmm. he's dead. I think I was just so taken aback the first time because I was just like, I literally rented this movie to watch Timothy Chalamet, and now he's dead. But like he, so he gets shot, he falls off the horse and he, there's kind of, there's two like good close-ups of him kind of writhing on the ground. And then I believe one of the um, Native Americans on horseback comes over and shoots him yeah. and he's dead. And that's mm-hmm. really it. Like his, he's not given like a, I was going to say a money shot. That's not, yeah, a, no. he's not given like a, a good death shot yeah, or anything. No. But, and, and I don't mean to even jump to him yet because I want to spend more time on the movie, but I just, I mean that to say no one in this, there, no one's deaths in this movie are really treated with any weight other than in the opening scene. The opening is full of weight. Most of the deaths happen with these, we've had a weird shootout. I'm going to shoot you point blank mm-hmm. in the face yeah. once you're down or the death has already happened and we just happen upon it. Mm-hmm. Which happened in at least two occasions right, to a lot of people. There was the character who was like his longtime friend, Tommy, Tommy, who committed suicide right? after after he shot Wills. Yes, which is God. Oh, there's a lot of suicidal characters in this movie. Yeah, I'm not saying this movie didn't need to have violence. This movie needed to have violence. It just, this movie needed to have focus, and because it doesn't, the the violence seems senseless. And I can understand the point being the violence is senseless, mm. but like, tell us that. Yeah. We're we're adding this on in discussion. Like this is I don't you think this do, is communicating I mean, the filmmaking. You can better communicate the guilt that people feel. Mm-hmm. Talk about why the people want to commit suicide, not just have a character say, "I can't do this anymore." Right, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like because with that character, he had fucked up before mm-hmm. because they had taken his guns away from him. Like why? Yeah. Was it because of drinking? Was it because of doing something that was against orders? We never knew that. And that doesn't surprise me knowing that the script is that short. That yeah. There was none of this was like yeah. given. And in two minutes later, he's given guns. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to care. Right. It is It is upon each of the actors to make something endearing. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing naturally there. And they do, mm-hmm. to their credit. They do. I feel like this has been a recurring theme in this podcast. Like I think that for the most part, everything that we've watched so far... If it's not good, the acting is usually mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. I actually feel like in general, I don't ever come out of a movie hating a perf- 
performance necessarily. I can't think of a time where a performance sunk a movie that I loved. Am I just being short-sighted? Probably. I can see a, like a performance really sinking like a movie that you're indifferent to. Sure, that's true. I think if you love something, you're going to find me like, well, you know, there yeah. are moments. You're going to find a way to band-aid that. Yeah. I would venture to say that the the actors who I kind of show up for, like mm-hmm. a Timothy Chalamet, yeah. like, I, you know, he, I, it's at a point now where I will just see whatever he is in. Well, yeah. And I think that he always rises to the occasion. Mm-hmm. The film just doesn't always. And this is one of those well it's it's like there's nothing to do you can't do anything right that's just sad because he i think the timothy chalamet appeal is that he he is a great actor Mm -hmm. and that's that's easy to see but he has really only been in like from what i have seen Mm -hmm. three great movies and two of those i would say are defining films not only for me, but I would say like in culture, which yeah. are Call Me By Your Name and Lady Bird. And because of that, I have this elevated idea of him. And that's probably true of any young actor. You go oh, back sure. into like to like Leonardo DiCaprio's like early years acting in like the nineties. And there were probably like only like, you know, a couple Well, I mean, then there's then there's Gilbert Grape and you're like, okay. Yeah. But then there's probably some like real real dingers that we're not remembering didn't he do like a movie with danny boyle called like the beach or something that's supposed to be not very good i don't remember you just saw yesterday aren't you like knee deep in danny boyle i didn't do a full marathon of danny boyle i like danny boyle i like slumdog millionaire that's my like hot take (laughs) is it a hot take i know that's a hot take at all yeah leonardo dicaprio's first movie is critters three and then a movie called This Boy's Life, which, for all I know, could be a good movie, but we don't talk about it. Could also be a porn. It could be. And then he's in a movie called The Quick and the Dead. Mm-hmm. Again, who knows what that is? But like The Quick and the Dead, that's a Western. Yeah, so let's okay, so I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna go one I'm I'm gonna list off mm-hmm. the number his number of movies until I hit twelve, which is the number of movies okay. that currently Timothy Chalamet has. So The Beach, the aforementioned The Beach, is his was his twelfth credit. And before that, at least for my two cents, he's only made two memorable movies and i haven't seen gilbert grape mm-hmm. so i'll say three oh, you should you should see so for an actor to only have three great movies of their first 12 which timothy mm-hmm. very may by the end of this podcast i feel that way yeah that's not uncommon no i have to take myself out of the kind of the context of this podcast for a second and say it's not that timothy chalamet does bad movies it's just that he is at the beginning of his career well, it's it's just that everyone does bad movies sure even daniel day lewis mm-hmm. has done bad movies this is true he was in nine <laughs> <laughs> you know he was a replacement he replaced javier bardem can you really? imagine but yeah going back like it's <laughs> to, to take it back to the take to back the, to hostels to hostels we're talking about hostels we're talking here? about hostels i think there's like if, if we're categorizing as like the great the fine and the bad mm-hmm. i don't think there's been like the only ones that i i think have been flat out bad well love the coopers was bad one and two is bad. Yeah. Interstellar was bad. I think that this movie and I think Beautiful Boy are fine. They're fine. Yeah. And then I think that Miss Stevens and Lady Bird are great. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that I think Call Me By Your Name is great. We just haven't really? talked about it on the show. I, yes. Oh, I, I, I happen know. to I happen to like that film. You know, it's all, it's it's, it's fine. Good. It's a pretty it's good fine. movie. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it's fine. Yeah, it works. I have to kind of take a step back and think like, it's okay that we don't like most of these movies yeah, we talk about on the show. Yeah, you don't have to. No. It would, be, it would, would it be exhausting to love all of them? As someone who kind of now is taking a a position mm-hmm. in the Timothy Chalamet Stan universe, if you will, I almost feel an obligation to like something because I, I don't want to criticize this entity that has brought us all together. And I'm not criticizing no. him. I think he's ve- I, I think he's been very good in all the movies we've seen. If I've if I've rated his performance low it's more in the context of what we've seen him do and yeah. what the role allows him to do. It's it's not so much that I think he's doing mm-hmm. bad. I do kind of have a little bit of this fear that I'm creating Timothy Chalamet content and then I'm not being nice about it. Well, I think... But that that, that reflects on me. Oh, I think that's okay. Oh, I think this is not a new issue. I no. Think there are critics who are, who are celebrants of certain directors and actors, mm-hmm. but, you know... We can talk about what's not good about them. You have to. Yeah. Because if you're not being objective, then you're failing sure your standmanship oh sure and i think two part of it is like i'm because if you defend one and two to the death 
you're wasting your time. Right. Why and you don't and you don't have to defend that when mm-hmm. you can if you deeply feel something, yeah, great. But generally you can attribute that time to loving something else. Right. That's true. I'm reconciling this in a way that I never have before because I'm aside from like my Twitter, I've never Mm-hmm. had like a public forum in which i've discussed these things and now that i am i'm kind of i'm putting like my official stamp on it in a very public way and i'm just hoping that you can always change your mind that's true i could revisit time you could revisit things and be and you'll probably revisit things and be like oh you know what i was right mm-hmm. that's true anyway hostels <laughs> <laughs> the only note that i wrote and sometimes i write extensive notes sometimes i don't write any i wrote one note for the general discussion portion of this podcast, and I wrote yawn. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on the film? Anything? I'm, I'm going through the things that I wrote. Rosamund Pike's hat changes. <laughs> it is a different hat. Do you think that she had two hats, or do you think it's just a mistake? Oh, I think like they're just they didn't give her the right sized hat when they were filming the first scene, and it does not fit on her head. And then the hat just slowly looks different throughout okay. the movie, but not in like an age way. It's just no. like oh. This is a different hat. It's a different hat. Do you want to move to Timmy? No, let the me. Timmy let me, section? Let me, let me okay. okay. Um, my first thought um, before Rosamund Pike goes and tries to bury her children with mm-hmm. her hands, she says the line, promise me when I die, I'll be buried in this field. Mm-hmm. And my gut reaction was, are you planning to tag along with this guy for the rest of your life? <laughs> and then it was, just, was obviously followed by, uh-oh. Okay. Yeah. Is there romance between them? So there's there's this moment in the tent where they're yeah together. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything happens. I think they... Mm-mm. There's I no think, kiss. There's nothing. There's nothing. And like, there's even like a morning after scene, but it's not like that. No, I don't... And I don't, I don't even think that there's an allusion to that. No, I don't think that we're supposed to believe anything has happened mm-hmm. between them. I just like I'm glad nothing I'm glad we saw nothing happen because I don't think it would have done anything for the story. And and at the end they're together. Yeah, because the so the ending of the film is everyone has died except for the th- we mentioned this. Uh Rosalie yeah. Blocker and Little Bear. And Rosalie and Little Bear get on a train to Chicago and Blocker like sees them off and it's the first time we've seen him like mm-hmm. out of his uniform and like normal clothes of the day of the 1890s which he looks a lot like H.H. H. Holmes yes yeah he, <laughs> that it, was my first he thought. looked very different and he like watches the train go but then he just like hops on the caboose it, and in the door it is presumably also, after her it is also a moment and this happens at two or three occasions where slow motion happens mm-hmm. why it was yeah it was a, it was a choice. Uh, also at the end, he gives Little Bear this book that he had been reading. Little Bear speaks barely any English, so here here's this gift of this history of Julius Caesar written in Latin. Enjoy. I hope you get Ugh. as much out of this as I did. What the hell? Like <laughs> because I made a note of it when I first saw that he was reading. Like it's uh, it's 1892. You could be reading any novel. You could be reading Jack London. Yeah. You could be reading the Bible, but he's reading this history of Julius Caesar in Latin. Yeah, it's And wild. he doesn't seem like the type to revel in the classics. Mm-mm. It's weird. It's it's very, it's a weird choice. It's a weird character choice. Oh, I wrote I wrote here. I only like the women. <laughs> I, I could say that about I, I actually I, I do like to having now explored timmy's filmography more in depth he oh he does seem to do movies mm. with strong women mm. in them like i think that's it's it's a recurring theme now we haven't gotten to hot summer nights yet so that there there's always exceptions to every rule um but you know we think of we think about ladybird we think about miss stevens we think about um even one and two to an extent with kieran and Shipka's character he does yeah. he does kind of seem to to play well with strong female characters so I was really excited he actually got to like be in scenes with Rosamund Pike because I was like, oh, I love the idea of Rosamund Pike and Timothy Chalamet on set together. Just hanging out. Just hanging Just out. Having a nice time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but only only yeah, it, was, it was her and then it was like the uh, the wife of the the man they stay with who loved. Yeah. Who was just like, This is inhuman. How yeah. dare you? But also, this movie's already really heavy handed with its messaging. 
did we need a woman to like cut? It's 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 like she's like stating the thesis she's of the movie. She's stating the thesis of the movie in a way to be told to shut up by her husband. Mm-hmm. Just like okay, yeah, it's weird. But yes, yeah, stra- mm-hmm. there are, there are good female characters in this movie. Rosamund Pike is kind of the the, the most the bulk of it. Yeah, she's, oh. she's carrying a very heavy. Even though even though there are female Native American characters mm. in the party and they're given some to do, mm. I don't think that any of them are given any characterization that makes them memorable. No, which is interesting because I'm reading that um, the National Congress of American Indians lauded this movie for its authentic authentic representation mm-hmm. of Native peoples, yeah. an accurate rendition of Native American language. But I guess in reading authentic representation and ac- accurate rendition of languages doesn't necessarily mean good character. You know what I mean? Like, no, I think it was the use of the Cheyenne language. And yeah. I think the way that the Comanches were dressed and the way, I think the way they looked and the way their the braids were. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not an expert, so. It's accurate. Mm-hmm. It's accurate. It's accurate. Uh, sure. I think the film benefits from that accuracy yeah i don't think it would it, it could have been just would, as accurate and exciting i mean if it was stereotypical and felt disingenuous it would be to the detriment of the film mm-hmm. so we have that going so for we us have that least. <laughs> do we want to talk about timmy's little, little slice we'll of talk, a roll we'll talk about timmy's little slice of the roll um so he as you mentioned he is in 26 minutes of the movie yes. from introduction to death he, as we mentioned, plays Philippe Desjardins, a private, the youngest member of the detail that's escorting Yellow Hawk home. Who, who, who has just arrived at this base. Yes. And is French. He's, he is French, which uh, uh, an actor named Timothy Chalamet was probably going to act French well. I, I don't understand why he's French. I, who, who knows? <laughs> who cares? He's French. It's whatever. He's French. It's fine. Um, in an interesting character distinction, he is like the only person not chosen by Blocker mm-hmm. to be in the party, and he like lets him know that. Like, yeah. his his fir- Timmy's first line is like, "So if I can ask, why did you choose me for uh, this part?" Um, it's my very <laughs> yes. terrible okay, French. Okay, Great. Okay, I played Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast. Thank you very much. What? I think I may have done a British accent. <laughs> you would with Cogsworth, right? Because he's British, You're right? Like- yeah, though played by David Ogden Stiers. Sure. Not a British man at all. No. Just but anyway. a very fae but yeah, but American man. What are you saying about me? You're anyway, a very fae American man. That is true. Man. But anyway, as yes, before I did my Lumiere as <laughs> private Desjardins impression, he his, he like asks him, like, why did you mm-hmm. choose me to be here? And he's like, oh, I didn't. And then, like, moves on. Like, that's his character introduction. Yeah, so he doesn't get a whole lot to do. As you mentioned no. before, uh, in our private correspondence, he we get a great shot of him baking biscuits. Which is, which I, I, this, I called this out. I'm like, is this the first actual, like, domestic duty that we've seen Timmy do? To which I responded, aside from bottoming for Army Hammer. <laughs> which, I mean, that, that is a, that is not a domestic duty as much as a civic duty. A civic duty and an honor and privilege. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah, it, it was nice to see him doing that. Like, he... He's very quiet in a lot mm-hmm. of scenes. He doesn't get a whole lot to like do. He has a give someone a blanket. Yeah. Um. He like watches her trying to dig a hole to bury her children. He removes his hat. He puts it back on. Um, Which as is we, important, right? It because I actually at one point I was like, "Fuck, do we not see his hair?" I I had that fear at the very beginning. Right. Like I was like, there is an entire segment on my podcast about his hair, and we may not see it. And we got all those hair stands. We I know. Jesus. We let him down. Real Chalamet hair is gonna kill me, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, he and as we mentioned in the discussion of the film, he just kind of exists to die. Which again, if he had just died and he his character was kind of a bigger deal, mm-hmm. and we kind of got this feeling of shit, no one is safe. That could have worked, but then everyone just proceeds yeah, to die well, there's, after. There's no stakes, and he's given so little before he's yeah off. It's like okay, well. That's it. That's what this is. Right. In the short notes I took for this episode, I wrote, it's a tiny role. He dies. He's French. That's, it's really, That's it. it's That's really it. it. And it's, and he, he does fine. He just doesn't have anything to do. No. And like looking through the script, I think there is a little bit more that mm-hmm. maybe didn't, didn't, that was cut. Yeah. Which is odd because there's so much that feels like it wasn't cut from this movie. Right. It, his casting is interesting because he shot Call Me By Your Name, May and June of 2016, he shot this in July, 
of 2016. And then he shot Lady Bird in August of 2016. So he was just like lining up his, his I mean, year. What a summer. Right. Can you imagine? Like, what are you doing this summer? I'm shooting three movies. Like he, he was doing the damn thing. So his casting yeah. makes sense. Like he mm. was, he was building up to this moment. And of those three movies, this is clearly his smallest role. If you're, if we're thinking about an up and coming actor, mm. he shot a movie where he is the lead he shot a movie where he, I mean, I can imagine coming off of Call Me By Your Name, this probably seems like a plum roll to take. Oh, yeah. Because he... I get to bake biscuits and then get shot. Sure. A couple times. And we know that he, Timothy is a stan himself, mm-hmm. and he loves The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight is yeah. one of the reasons he wanted to become an actor. So to to play anything, you know... you know, With act, Christian Bale. You know how yeah. actors always make the jokes of like, I'll show up to set and be on the catering team. Like, you know, they make those jokes about like, cause the, so they can work with whoever they but want seriously. to. I'm pretty sure Timothy would would have shown up yeah. on hostels and done catering because he loves Christian Bale. So his role in this film, though it is small mm-hmm. and rather useless, makes total sense career-wise and oh, yeah. for him personally. So it angers me less than some of his other roles where he gets mm-hmm. less to do. I can imagine he was just very excited to be in this movie, and it was a nice break in mm-hmm. between two movies where he has much more substantial roles. So Yeah, he was able to take a breather. Do you have anything else to say about the role of Philippe? No. Desjardins. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right. There's not, there's no, not there's nothing, a lot to there's say. There's nothing to say. Um, performance. Uh, I was mostly going to remark that I think what I enjoy most about this performance is it's something that we don't see from mm-hmm. him, which is he's doing his French accent. Yeah. Much more stoic in a way that we haven't seen him in other movies, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Um, he's got a little, this isn't performance so much but he's got like a little fuzz a little mustache oh, fuzz going got, on that's for the hair portion though right that's hair that's sure that i guess i get that's true mm-hmm. i don't factor body hair into the... you might as because we rarely experience it well we haven't got to call me by your name but there's no body hair to be, <laughs> to yeah. be seen but um but yeah no i i really it, it's a quieter role mm-hmm. than i think we've seen him do i mean i one and two he's quiet but there's kind of this this anger that's boiling up inside him yeah but he's also gets to have dialogue sure monologize yeah he does i i didn't count but he doesn't really say a whole lot in this movie no. i honestly think that he's on screen about five minutes yeah and that's like even including like group shots of yeah that. like like literally in group shots i'd be like literally when you see him yeah i'd be like that one's probably him but i can't really tell he's probably toward the back because he's like i think when they go out initially i don't think he's in the very back because i don't think you put your you're private on the very end, but you put him in the back. So yeah, but no, I think he gives a good performance. Like his death scene, he gets like two nice close-ups mm-hmm. where he's he's doing work. I actually was thinking of all of the films he's made, both ones we've talked about on this show and not talked about on the show, I think this is the only movie where he dies on screen. This might be overall. Because I think I think it's his the, only death scene. Some of the only things early on, he's playing a younger version of someone who's, who's exactly. Older. I was gonna say I haven't seen the Adderall Diaries, but he plays teenage mm-hmm. Stephen Elliott. Yeah. So I'm assuming if we see yeah. that character die later, it's not Timothy. I haven't seen Worst Friends. I sort of don't think he's going to die because he plays like a young. I mean, maybe he does. I have no idea. But I think this is the only a choice. Yeah, this is the only death scene he's done. Which I, I it's not performance mm-hmm. per se, but I I found that interesting. Huh. Laurie doesn't die in Little Women. I don't think pe- I don't think Paul dies in Dune. Does he die? Does King Henry V die in Henry V? Well, I don't. I don't think. Depends on how they do it. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, I think this movie is an interesting artifact. If nothing else, then it's the only time we've seen Timothy Chalamet die on screen. That's I mean, and have facial hair. Is there anything else you want to add to performance? Is, I know there's not a lot to talk He's about, a, and it's not his you know, fault. The biscuit work. You the know? biscuit work was great. Nice. All right. Well. Rating time. Yeah, let's rate. Rate the movie one to five peaches, Will. I'm going to say two and a half. Two right, and a half? Right down the middle. Sure. Like Fair. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. not bad. It's not bad. It just... It's not great. It could be so much better. Right. Yeah, I think with... It could be so much better in the editing studio alone. Mm-hmm. Because the performances are all good. I, I'll go a little... I'm going to go with a three. Even though I don't ever really want to watch this movie again, I appreciated... The acting, mm. I appreciated the craft. Um, it looked nice. Yeah. Um, I think that Scott Cooper knows how to make a movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't really liked any of them, but I think he he, he knows maybe how someday. To, maybe someday. I'm holding. I, I will like. I'm interested in him as a filmmaker. Mm. Or there are directors who I don't like their movies and I don't go out of my way to see them. I feel like I want to see his movies because I can see that he is capable of something yeah. great. He's clearly he directed a, an actor to an Oscar win. Mm-hmm. 
Black Mass was lauded for being like kind of what would have been Johnny Depp's comeback had he not been a total fucking asshole. Well, I think people people didn't like that movie. No, but like <laughs> I think people did like his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so like he clearly knows how to like direct actors. So. I'm encouraged to see what he'll do in the future. Yeah. I would like to see this as a, as a pivot towards whatever exciting thing he's going to do. So it would almost be better if it was a little worse mm-hmm. because it's 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 good. It's not bad, but there's nothing about it that is anything. It's nothing in it makes me think not your father's western. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the opening scene is great, but like this is not going to go down as a western to watch no the searchers this is not no not at all not even a true grit it's not true grit no either one no (laughs) um timmy's performance one to five features i feel bad giving a rating i know because there's do you want me to go first nothing well i I mean for what he has to do we could give him five peaches sure because he dies he makes biscuits he speaks with a french accent right yeah, and he no. He takes his hat off and puts it back on. I agree. I I was gonna say four and a half. Yeah. I think he's great. I think that he does what he has to do, which isn't a lot. Yeah, but it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, he's doing a good job. I didn't. I was fine to watch this movie for him. Sure. <laughs> two and a two two hours and fifteen, and I got twenty of it with him. All right. I mean, I'm not gonna go back to the well, but at no. least at least I did it. You know, you know where more water is. That's true, and it's not in this movie. No, <laughs> um, it is in the two movies that he shot on either end of it. Yes, um, this is the meat of this is the, the sandwich. Meat. The bread is so much better than the meat. Exactly, that never never happens. But uh, yeah, so no, his his performance mm-hmm. is great. It's a it's a solid solid mm-hmm. four to four and a half peaches, um, or you said five. I'm sorry, five, yeah, four and a half to five, five peaches. Yeah. Um, his attractiveness. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four. Four. Okay. Um, I wish his uniform fit better. Yeah, like the, it. Fit, the uniform on the other soldiers fits better. There was a shot where he was. I think it was when Rosalie was going to bury her family, and they cut. They they shoot from the back of the hill, and they're like walking up, and it, you just realize, like I saw, like how ill his costume. It looks fit. like a. <laughs> He looks like a it looks like a flag on a He's, pole. Like, what are they doing? We have established he is a lanky man. Yes. And he's not wearing it like a gay twink would in twenty nineteen, but like no. everyone but else's clothes like, fit fine. No, but it's it's a military uniform. You want that to fit. You right. want range of motion to be good. Like that's it sort of looks like he got to set soldier. and like the co- his oh. measurements were like a bit off. Oh well maybe <laughs> size forty pants. Yeah, he... I like I probably doesn't happen, but I'm like I feel like I'm air dropping into my memory like a, sh- a shot of him like l- lifting his pants up it, as they're falling. They it's just potato sacks. It just looks ridiculous. Not great. Not great. Well, I'm I'm with you. I'm gonna say yeah. four and a half because like I said, I was intrigued by seeing him in a way we haven't seen him before. Yeah. He was a a little disheveled mm-hmm. in a way. I know you mentioned the not being very dirty, but like, I feel like this is, even though they weren't dirty, I feel like this is kind of the dirtiest we've seen him. Yeah. He, he got kind of dirty in one and two, but like, kind of, kind of like he seemed, he still seemed very boyish in one and two. Yeah. At least here he was mm-hmm. like, he was like more young man. Like mm-hmm. he looked like he was probably supposed to be like, his characters were like 18 or 19. Yeah. And, and yeah, the age, age was all over the place. Yeah. And like, like movie. I said, I liked the little, the mm-hmm. little peach fuzz mustache. Yeah. I, yeah. So four and a half. Yeah. Hair. I, why am I so excited to talk about hair with this movie? Well, because this is we've had so many movies where we've been dwelling within high school haircut, mm-hmm. and this is not. No, it isn't. No, there's there's it, a journey with this hair. There's a journey with this hair. I mean, this is this is post Call Me by Your Name yes. hair, and in really and on, it's pre Ladybird hair. Pre Ladybird. It is literally so in, in mm. Call Me by Your Name. He's got some length to mm. it, but it is a shorter haircut. And he, here he is clearly growing it out. It is longer for what he is going to distinctly gonna, longer. It's distinctly longer because he's probably growing it out for Lady Bird, mm-hmm. subconsciously or they asked him to. I'm not sure, but it's kind of like in the middle, and it looks so good. Like he takes his hat off, and you have yeah. this reveal. It's like, it look, it this looks, like, this is great. So good. I love the length because we don't we don't get we don't get the curls in the front. Like, no, this is the first real curls in the front that yes. we've ever had i think when he's making the biscuits he's got like a little yeah. hangage mm-hmm. of, of the front curls yep. and it is not kind of like i'd say by ladybird it's a little bit like untamed and mm-hmm. wild which again is great ladybird is five out of five hair but i'm gonna go ahead and say that the hair here is five out of five too yeah. like i was gonna go four four, four? And okay i'm being a little generous because i mean there's still like he's having to deal with a hat y- okay 
That's true. And I was actually thinking in the in favor of my five rating, uh, my five peaches, I think because it's teased, because yeah. I actually was like, this is a weird way to compare things. Sometimes when I go to concerts, I like to look up the set list because if my favorite song isn't going to get played, I get nervous. <laughs> so to like kind of be in the first half hour of this movie and not know if we're going to see the hair, I got like a little nervous. I was like, shit, I couldn't remember if we saw it or not. So the anticipation just made that reveal. Not being able to see the hair really got me jazzed and hot and yeah. bothered to see the hair. <laughs> like, it's a good hair movie. I, good... I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah, the and like to know that he was... Off of Call Me By Your Name, going it's into Lady Bird. Wild. It's, yeah, like... To just imagine that right. summer. That's just mind-boggling Like, if me. we think about Elio's summer as learning to be topped by Army Hammer, his and summer his was summer, was making these three movies. He made, he made biscuits, and then he was <laughs> topped by Sir Sir Ronan. <laughs> as, as everyone should be. You know, ideally. Right. Uh, any other hair thoughts? Yeah, we've we, we've already talked about the little mustache. Yeah, the little mustache is, is great. I bet he could grow it out. So when he was doing the Beautiful Boy press tour, I believe when he the I think they were at the Venice Film Festival. He had like a bit, a bit of it's not scruff because he's you know he's a little baby, but he had <laughs> he'll get he, there. He had a little fuzz, and you know what? I, it takes time. I didn't hate it. I did not hate it. You know, I look we'll forward see. to the full full beard, Timmy. What what hair adventures can we go? Sky's the limit, man. Well, I mean, we, we've got to experience what's going to grow out after the king, so... That's true, yeah. And we're going to... Hopefully, we'll see soon what the the, the the dune hair looks like. I'm assuming dune hair will be his hair. Yeah. Be... I bet we're going to get, like... I don't know if it'll go, like, man bun, but I wonder if we'll get, like, ponytail. Like, because it's long. It's really long. We're going to get some... I don't... Do you think they're going to go, like, the Star Wars route and give everyone, like, wild hair styles? Or, like, I don't know. Yeah. They, so we'll see. They know what they've got on their hands, so they'll, they'll hopefully they'll do something great with it. They've got a hot property. <laughs> they do. Well, Will, thanks oh. for jumping on the other side of the, happy to of the board here. of the of my kitchen counter, yeah. frankly, physically. Um, that's, that's literally where we're at. We're glad to have you on mic for our sixth episode of Chasing Chalamet. I'm happy to be here. You have to be here anyway. I, I have to be here anyway, and I'm gonna. <laughs> and you're gonna to have this your, you're gonna have your, again. yourself in your ears for hours, which is a nightmare. Oh, so. see, I love hearing myself talk, but that's why I host a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> um, where can people find you on the internet if they so desire? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Will Bybee. W i l l b i b y. Great. Um, do you have anything you'd like to promote other than this show that I you're mean, on? Please, please listen to Chasing Chalamet. <laughs> and also, I mean, listen to Overstated with Stephen Kropa. Please listen to over. If you would like a nice little segue on over to Overstated, I am on an episode of Overstated with Stephen Kropa mm-hmm. where I talk about my home state of Indiana. Yeah. So if you'd like to home again, test Indiana. the waters with that one because you enjoy listening to me talk, which great, hop on over there and listen to that episode. Mm-hmm. Great. Get on it. Get on it. Well. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is also on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it is on Twitter at Chalamet Chasing, and it is on Instagram at Chasing Chalamet. Please email us at ChasingChalamet at gmail.com. We've gotten no emails yet. Come on, people. Please let us know. Are we like, what thoughts? Are you feedback? mad? Yeah. Are you mad at us? I, I honestly feel like they might be mad at me. I don't know. I feel like I did something. Just let us know. Let us know, please. ChasingChalamet at gmail.com. <laughs> Please consider giving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We've had some lovely reviews. Also, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends, your family. Um, I know my family listens. I hope my friends are listening. Will, does your family listen? They don't know how no, podcasts they don't work. <laughs> my grandmother told me that she downloaded Instagram so she could read my podcast. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. That's lovely. I know. It's so sweet. That's very cute. Mimi, if you're listening, I love you so much. And but if I, you're reading, we love you too. If you're reading, I don't know how you're reading because I don't transcribe <laughs> these. Oh, absolutely um, not. But I sent her multiple screenshots with like things highlighted of like, go here to your podcast <laughs> app, hit the subscribe button. It should be right here. Uh, but then, you know, the idea of my grandmother listening to me thirst after uh, a twinky little actor. Uh, I don't need to confront those feelings right now. No, <laughs> that's fine. Anyway, it's for a later time. For a later time, Mike. But yes, please share this podcast with uh, the Timothy Stan in your life, the people in your life who love film and would be interested in hearing us wax poetic about it. Yeah, if you got any Scott Cooper stands out there, <laughs> yeah, please share. Yeah, with the that. Scott Cooper stands, please. The crazy hearts, <laughs> the out of the furnaces. 
<laughs> the, the black, black masses. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> Chasing Chalamet is written, hosted, and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. And our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at JessicaDeal.com. That's D-E-A-H-L. And until next time, later. Later.